Welcome to Gaming the Podcast. My name is John Robertson, joined as ever by Stace Harmon. And this week we are talking about Horizon Forbidden West, which is uh, unsurprisingly, probably given the success of the first game, scored rather well um, throughout the vast majority of reviews. Now, Stace and I have different levels of experience when it comes to Horizon. So do you want to um, start us off as cut the the comparative Horizon expert here between the two of us? Um, yeah, well, that's yeah. my credentials for that, that particular role are that I have platinumed the first game, Zero Dawn. I've played through the Frozen Worlds DLC, and just recently I've also completed, but nowhere near platinumed, um, Forbidden West. I've been through the main, main quest, done a bunch of side quest stuff, um and yeah so i've finished i've effectively finished every piece of horizon content that is out there seen or seen it through to the end at least um and i i really enjoy these games i'm i did go through a period of like having open world game fatigue uh and i I still have that to an extent like there's certain open worlds that just don't really do anything for me but i really i really get on board with the horizon kind of the the narrative and the the whole kind of backstory of it um really appeals to me so that then makes me more engaged with actually just kind of going around the world and doing stuff and there is a lot of stuff to do um so yeah i'm i'm kind of full down on the on the side of of being generally very positive about these horizon games um and that that carries over to forbidden west as well there's some great things it does but there's also some things that i think it doesn't do quite so well as as zero dawn or some impact where the the impact is lessened um, but yeah, that's that's kind of my experience of of the Horizon franchise so far, which I know differs quite substantially to yours, right? Uh, yeah. So I've tried to play Horizon Zero Dawn about five times and never got more than <laughs> it's I just think too the, hard. <laughs> the most. Yes, yeah, just too hard. The, the most recent time uh, was was recently uh, January, just after mm. Christmas, in the lead up and, to this. Uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, I got. A, Again, a number of hours in, I got the furthest that I um I got further than I than I ever have. But yeah, I don't know the the original. It just it always just falls flat to me. Like I mm. uh, I I am not taken in by like the world or the underlying story at all. I I, I mm-hmm. don't I do not the underlying story, the underlying world building, like or just conceptually the idea of like machine animals wandering around. Mm. And then there being like sort of tribes of people trying to survive in this in this world. I, I don't. I, I just don't. I, I think I with my sci-fi. Does the, does the concept? I like in, yeah, this is what I was going to say. Does the concept interest you? That's, yeah. That's, so with sci-fi, time. like I tend to, I really like sci-fi as a general rule. Like it's one of my favorite mm. things in general, not just in games. Um, but I tend to like ones that are very heavy on, like sci-fi is brilliant at um, exposing or investigating mm. or looking at politics and social structures in a way that a lot of stuff based in the present day finds it harder to do because it's it easy, too easily goes into satire or, you know, when you're sending up things about stuff that happens now, it tends to be mm. hard to kind of step back and have like an objective view of something but in sci-fi you can pump your world 2000 years into the future and you can look at threads and just a uh, just general 
rules of, of you know or not rules but like concepts of philosophy or politics or whatever when you're when you've moved the world to a place where you're uncoupled from it and you can see it more uh in a more kind of overall overarching light that's not to say that you're not connected to it because you are because you can see yourself in the people of the world but the world itself is being kicked off into many years and so you're not tied by the politics of today and whatever like it's a different a different realm that you can explore like a petri dish that you can explore things in and i just don't think horizon has enough of that for for me to truly be really engaged in the world and what the characters are doing and the history of the world it's all just a bit it's all it's it's just it's heavy-handed i find like it's everything's thrown at you so hard that you're there's no for me there's no room for interpretation there's just like no this is what it is like it's like well okay <laughs> like I, I i've not i like to be able to you know put myself in it to an extent like in yeah. terms of well not not myself but my own thought into into it not me as a not me as a how would i survive in this world sort of thing but just like mm. what, do, what am i reading from this world so so yeah i i wasn't really looking forward to horizon forbidden west very much at all really um it wasn't really like on my list to play um but i have played it and uh, um i don't know i don't Thanks. know what the um i don't know so trying to avoid spoilers here there will obviously be spoilers for the first game there'll be some spoilers for this game i mean all right so i've gotten to the part where just just beyond the part where you defeat what's essentially the first boss in forbidden mm-hmm. west for mm-hmm. for those who have played it i hope you've played at least some of it if you're listening to this um and and i i think it's way better than the first game mm-hmm. it's way better um like it, it gets you to the action way quicker um yeah so and, well, and, and, doesn't and, start and, as a child which yeah, I mean, what, immediately what, gives you a, you know a leg up on the first game because yeah but I, I think also because it doesn't have yeah and it doesn't have to do the world building and it doesn't have so much baggage mm-hmm. to to present you with in order for you to understand who these people are and whatever like it just gets straight on with it and now i'm missing out on that because i don't really know what these elements are that most other players in the game mm-hmm. will know so there's a lot of education and a lot of things, um, a, a, a lot of my own education that I've missed narratively from not playing the first game or the DLC, not playing the first game all the way through or the DLC. <clears throat> um, but so so everything gets to the action much quicker here. So I'm so I feel lost narratively. I don't really okay. I'm, I can piece it together, and the game kind of tells you what's going on all the time. But sort of like I don't really have any connection to these characters or what they've been through. Um, but it doesn't really matter. Like the game seems much better than the first one at standing apart from the narrative and just mm. being able to have a good time. Yeah. Although I would say about the narrative on this one is that whilst I don't really know what's going on in terms of the bigger picture, I do think the individual characters are very well drawn. And I do, it's not that I care about them, but I believe them to be more real than I ever believed them to be in the first one. Like there's a bit after you do the first boss and, you, and you're talking to this sort of village, head of this village, and you need to um, fix like a dying machine for her. Mm. And then, and she's like all very nice and welcoming and it's going to help you. And then immediately you go outside and you talk to, well, it's the first person that I spoke to outside, and the the rest of the sort of the tribe, the civilization are 
oh, hanging around outside. And the first person that I spoke to hated me, hated my guts and was like, get out of here, you foreigner. Like, disgust. I don't want you around here. And that juxtaposition between there's, there's someone over there in this place that really liked me or is at least willing to help me. And then there's this person right here that hates me. But that juxtaposition between two characters that are of the same tribe that are that should be you know you'd expect them to think along the same lines have two completely different visions of me so while i didn't really care about or know enough to care about the the actual story that's going on those individual characters felt really real because they disagreed with each other despite being on the same team and that mm. doesn't there's a little thing like and those you know so it has like more moments already that are like more engaging for me than the first game ever did and I think maybe that's because the first game took so long to build the worlds that I didn't care about that I just lost interest in the game. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's also indicative of the story as a whole, um, that much more of it is is kind of present day uh, in Forbidden West. So it's happening, much more of the main thrust of the story is happening to Aloy, Aloy or because of Aloy for the most part. Um, whereas in Zero Dawn and in Frozen Wild DLC, the main thrust of the story really was, I mean, of course there was a present day component, but really the main kind of emotional weight of the story was in the stuff that happened in the past, um, you know, thousand plus years in the past and, and was delivered through text logs and audio logs and all those things that we're very familiar with that I remember thinking at the time it felt a shame that we just don't have a better way of doing that and showing those things and Horizon Zero Dawn tried to do a few things with like holographic projections where you watch a scene play out and it, you know that's fine um yeah we've always seen Star Wars yeah well yeah it's a li- it was a, li- it's a little bit kind of uh clunky or on the nose um but nonetheless I felt that the scenario writing and the story writing was better in that first game than the equivalent here, because here the story is told mostly through dialogue because it's happening to Aloy or because of Aloy. So, and that, in, for the most part, for me, just wasn't as strong. There are some standout characters throughout, which I won't you know, spoil specific people or their involvement in the story, but there is some characters later on that, like a couple of side characters effectively who are for me the sort of the stars of the show both in their in their own performances as actors giving voice to that character um but also in just the actual written dialogue for those characters as well so and i think that's what it comes down to for me that i think the 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 story is is more of a present story in forbidden west than it was but (laughs) however unfortunately uh for my own personal experience I don't think it's as good a story and it wasn't as, um, I don't know, it wasn't as impactful. There was a lot of moments that had sort of more weight for me in the in those first two games where you kind of, you come to realise that, big spoiler here for Zero Dawn, that the Zero Dawn project in that first game isn't like the Hail Mary Save Humanity play that it's been presented as, um, both to you as the player and also it's been managed like that in its communication to humankind and buying time for this zero dawn project to be finished and it's meant to be like you're fighting against the robots and you're meant to you know you have to just buy us some more time and go out there and give your lives to buy us some more time so we can do this thing but you learn later on that actually right from the off zero dawn was never meant to be like they the people that knew the people that were in the know knew that humankind was done and so this was about its long the, the species longer term survival 
And there's like a bittersweetness to that that is just isn't there for me in Forbidden West. It's much more like, yeah, save the day, be the hero. Um, which I can see could absolutely be more appealing to people because it's more actively engaging because you have more agency in what, well, I mean, you don't change things to any great degree, but you have more you have more of an active part in that story, whereas in the previous one, you were just kind of reading and listening to other people's stories. Um, so yeah, well, I think yeah. that might go some way to explain why I never really got on board with that first one based on what I said about liking sci-fi because like, mm. cause I wasn't interested enough in the core fundamental of the world itself mm-hmm. to care about audio or text logs giving me the lore about more of that sort of stuff. Whereas, mm-hmm. no, this one is much more character focused. I actually feel like, okay, well, I don't have to care about the world. I can just care about yeah. these characters and that's yeah. enough. Whereas... You know, like big sort of like this is just like law dumps or like like in in a video. Like I'm fine with that in a book or a work, but in in a video game like this, this specific kind of video game, an action focused open world game in which everything is built around the activities of this character, then yeah, it makes much more sense to me that the story would be more simple in the sense that mm. it's based around the actions of this character that mm. your, that your entire experience is limited to performing actions through yeah yeah absolutely and i completely understand that. i think i'm not i mean i'm not really a huge fan of aloy i think her as a character she's one of the um no, i would say one of the least interesting she's a she's not as interesting to me as lots of other protagonists and I don't like there's a there's just a, a whole kind of savior thing going on. She goes to places and it feels like it's always determined by one action. She goes somewhere, she has a disagreement with somebody, or she agrees with somebody and she agrees to help them, or she basically goes off, performs one action that then wins that person over, either because they admire her tenacity or they admire the fact that they forbid her from doing that and she went and did it anyway and look, it's worked out really well. Or they agree with her and she goes and helps them. And then it's like, oh, you've done this amazing thing. There's, there's, it's kind of a whistle-stop tour, I felt, throughout kind of stopping off here. What's the problem? I'll go and solve it. Come back. And it's, it's very forward. You know, the momentum is there. Is there's a, you, there isn't a hanging about thing. It's like you, you go there, you understand who these people are, you go and do a thing. Um, but Aloy, is, it just, I don't know, she always kind of, has always kind of come across to me as a little bit, there's, there's a, a certain amount of petulance in the way that she talks and it's just a bit i just don't really get on with her as a as a character but at least uh yeah at least there is like the control is given to you to go and do a thing and then it's like okay that's why i can see why these people now think i'm awesome or think I'm, yeah you know whatever it is i quite like that she's less than perfect though like mm, that she's yeah. petrified she yeah. does she doesn't feel real she she doesn't but she feels like she's at least got some degree of varying levels of personality i think Mm. there was too much maybe i like her more in this one because well again it just goes back to that character the character focus rather than like the world focus maybe um i think i found her much more annoying in the first one but not necessarily because of her dialogue or what she was saying or how she was saying it or whatever it was just that it was like the first one felt like I was just being asked to support and fall in love with this character whose primary personality trait, primary characteristic that defines her is just that she has a sense that 
there's been some sense of destiny placed upon her. Beyond mm-hmm. that, it was like, well, well what, what's she about? Like, who is, yeah. who is this person? Who is, yeah. beyond her being the fated hero of the world, who is she? Mm. Like, well, that's good because it does, this, the Forbidden West does explore that a bit more. And again, you know, I'm going to avoid spoilers, but to say that it does explore who she is and this notion of her always being the only person that can do a thing, the only person who can single-handedly change somebody's mind or achieve a certain goal or, you know, it explores that and it explores why she acts like that and what that costs her and it costs people around her. So there is a, there is much more of kind of, well, there's just more of a, a more character development for her um, that extends beyond just the fact that she used to be a little kid and now she's, grown up it's like they've done all that in the first game and now it's like well it feeds into this like i suppose a character arc something approaching a character arc for her because there's there's actual um like moments of realization for her that are expressed through both her and through other people talking to her and that's where some of the strongest side performances come in because they do they don't they're not acting just to to reveal something about her character they're acting they feel like they're acting as actual people and then she's being made to see a situation in a different way, in you know, in the way that a conversation might work. You and I might disagree about something, and hopefully, it's not. It's not about like determining who's right or wrong. It's about like, oh, okay, I understand that better now, having had that conversation, having had that discourse. And that's what happens more so um, in Forbidden West than it does in in the previous game. So, so that I think that bears well. I, I think if you weren't particularly enamoured or engaged by the, that kind of yes world first story from the uh from the first game i think that probably bodes well here because this is far more character focused um yeah. so all of that said for me the story in forbidden west is actually the <laughs> the one of the weakest parts of it uh because partly because i just didn't get on with it as well as i did the story for the first one it didn't for the people that uh who really dug into the first game and the dlc there's kind of a there's a whole like side quest thing in the first game this apocalypse shitstorm is what it's termed as these you go around trying to find these audio logs and piecing together this like young cadet story and who was uh, in the air force or something. um and there was some real i thought there was some really strong writing in that in the first game there wasn't i didn't really find anything like that in in forbidden west and the i think it's concrete beach party i think is the name of the band that they that is formed in uh the dlc which again gets a cute reference in this one but there's no um i just didn't find like those personal moments it was all very grandiose the story was all very like big picture hero story kind of um focus so for me there wasn't like the smaller quieter moments that felt felt powerful just partly because they were side things and it was like it's optional and it's like oh, i found this Mm. thing i followed this thread and i've i've kind of engaged in that um but yeah, but also partly the story I think is the weakest part because so much of the other the rest of the game is is really strong. Like everything, almost everything has been improved from the first game. It it can't have the same impact. You know, when Zero Dawn came out, it was like, wow, this is Gorilla have have really stepped up here. Um, whereas it doesn't, it can't have that kind of same bolt from the blue effect uh, or impact that the first game did. But they've just basically improved on every. On every system in the game, I think they've pretty much improved on every single one of them. And through iterative design, you know, it's like it is very much a sequel, um, but they've done it very, very well. Yeah. Um, 
so i mean yeah it, i mean i can't speak to how well the systems worked in in the mm-hmm. first game apart from apart from how they worked at the start um i know they're two they're they're very different but i think the opening in this one is way better than the opening in mm. in the first game the opening of first game I, I i get it like it was it was a super long tutorial that went on for like three three days of gameplay time um and it just never ended i was like another trial you say to test my suitability for this oh well okay um whereas in this one they get you to the action way faster and i'm guessing that's because they they're expecting people to have to Mm. come here from having um played Mm. the other games and and um and having the experience but yeah, get, just get into, it's not that you get into the action quicker in this one, although you do. It's that the it's that the variety of what you're asked or what is what you're what you can choose to do is way greater. Like there's open world bits, there's structured level bits that are like you know mm-hmm. go in here and climb these things and kill these monsters, and then uh, much quicker you open up the ability to like you know um, explore ruins and you know mm. do whatever you want like way quicker. So it just feels like. The game is, I mean, classic for a sequel or, or typical for a sequel that um, that the developer can be fairly well sure that most people coming to this have played the original. Like, you know, it's just less, there's less onboarding to do. Like, yeah. it, just, it just gets you in. I think Guerrilla are also now just more practiced and better at creating this kind of game. You know, they've, they've had, clearly they've had a lot more practice than they'd had uh, this time five years ago when Zero Dawn came out. So there is more, and I think you can see that it feels more accomplished. Lots of the systems that were put in place, like I do feel like you can you can tell the strength of Forbidden West in its design and in its execution by basically picking at any given thread um, and exploring that. So combat or traversal or even just something like inventory management or the weapon system or any of this, everything has multiple layers to it and integrates so much better with everything else. So like the the scanning of the machines, right? So what's something I always liked about Zero Dawn was this notion, and I feel it too in something like The Witcher or in like Monster Hunter, is that notion of the hunt. And what I thought had been done quite well previously with Zero Dawn, where you kind of prep your, your gear and you get your, you know, maybe craft some traps and you make sure you've got the right kinds of ammo and then you do the scanning of the machine and then you kind of you maybe take out the smaller machines around it in terms of for the big ones, and then you tackle it here that's taken to a whole a whole other level through quite basic improvements in things like the scanning so now you can scan a machine and you can just tab through the various parts of that machine so you yeah, understand could you not do that on the original i can't remember but i'm i do yet to focus it on the actual yeah element. and it was yeah, it was annoying. silly like in retrospect it was it was and the machines actually. keep moving so exactly. you can't yeah exactly <laughs> And so, and so you, and also that could lead to mistakes because you're like, oh, okay, that bit of that machine is is weak to ice, and you may not have noticed that actually you you're then scanning a different part of the machine, and and so you're using ice against something that is strong against that, you know, yada yada. But now you can actually scan the machine, you can cycle through, tab through with the D-pad, the different tabs. You can highlight individual pieces of that machine, um, which then kind of glow or they change color. So you know then what you're trying to achieve, and you just you're more empowered and you feel more in control of what you're doing. But that's been married very well with a, uh, I wouldn't say it was a restriction. I would say it was a, a kind of closing off of some of the exploits that you could do with the first game. Um, I won't go into the super specifics, but tear arrows, for anybody that knows, tear arrows in the first game were ridiculous. They were the things that you could 
blow off pieces of machine really easily and turn this what should be this big formidable creature or mechanical creature into kind of a toothless uh, kind of walking hit point bag of hit points um whereas now you're much more restricted in that and you're forced to feel you're forced to think about the ammo that you're using and, and your other parts of your arsenal so it just everything just feels tighter it's much much uh better integrated with the other systems in the game and yeah it just makes for a um yeah just a much stronger experience it feels it just feels like a better game to play and again that goes into basically every pretty much every avenue so yeah, um, I'm having less camera issues with this one. I seem to have fallen mm. into camera issues constantly with the first one. Um, I'm having much less of them, uh, much less of them this time. Um, a, a, a slight tangent when you're talking about the, the weapons there. Mm. Um, so again, I'm not that. I don't know how many hours through I am. Four or five hours, maybe. Um, I don't know. Um, but the whole thing took ice... about thirty or about thirty something hours for the main quest. So yeah. to give you some. Um, I but already I seem to be at the end of or approaching the end of numerous upgrade paths. Mm. By upgrading seems to be you know front loaded. Like I'm I've like I've done like half yeah. over half of my bow um skill tree already. I think the hunter one already. Um, I'm through a part of the hand hand combat one. Like three of three or four of my weapons are at their max upgrades um, mm. level already, which I was quite surprised about, given that I've only done one boss. Yeah, there's more. There's definitely more. There's more decision making in terms of the upgrade of early weapons, and then at what point you decide to flip over to newer, newer weapons that have the potential to be more powerful, but that start weaker than the ones that you've just spent time upgrading. Yeah. Um, and there's more of an inventory management in that set in a, in a decision-making like a point of decision, not a constant having to cycle through different weapons because that's better against this, etc. But in an actual, like, and, and initially I was, I wondered about that because I felt like, well, is there then any reason to, or not any reason, but are you then almost punished for upgrading those? And should you just hold out? But it, it gives you enough weapons. I mean, even up until the point of like approaching the 30 hour mark, I was still unlocking or still finding new types of ammo or new types of new weapons, which in the first game mm. just doesn't happen. You get those, it's a very structured tier system in the first game of like the different colored bows in the same way that you'd have different, you know, colored rarity in Diablo or Destiny or whatever. Um, and so. Yeah, this this is this was much more widespread. There's much, there's more weapons attached to like you do a side quest and you might get this special weapon from this tribe. So all of that again is just kind of expanded and done better um, without making it really finicky. You know, I don't I didn't really feel like it got to the point at any point where it was like, well, the difference between this one and this one is like a you know half a percent in damage output or something. It doesn't go that granular. Um, but there are like perks attached to certain weapons that means that it's not always just oh the more powerful weapon is the better weapon. There's, there's sort of reasons to to keep some of them hanging around for a while. So and your weapon wheel is expanded, so you can have more weapons on the weapon. So it just yeah everything just kind of works better. Um, and so that's I think for anybody that kind of bounced off Zero Dawn, perhaps because they found it you know monotonous going through going through reams of of text logs or you know listening to people bleating on about what happened over a thousand years ago um this yeah the actual action 
adventure part of this game is is bigger and better. Um, have you done any of the well, the relic ruins? Yeah, they're like yeah. The so I was going to talk about those. Yeah, like Tomb yeah. Raider. So mm-hmm. I I wasn't so early in the game. This again is where I think the early game is so much better than the original. Like mm. it's, the, it's the the variation is so much greater, mm-hmm. and therefore the pacing applied to both various things that you're doing and then the pacing applied to the whole experience in that you can much more quickly decide which elements you want to include in your game and which you just want to ignore like the relics or whatever um but i don't remember in the in the first one there being so much um yeah not only like the levels you have to go through there's there's an early level i call it a level because it is a level like where it's you know it's a it's a um, an area where you can't yeah, get out of oh, um yeah. <clears throat> yeah and those bits are really well done like they're at like you know pretty high pretty high quality like comparable mm. to other games that are all all that kind of mm-hmm. content mm-hmm. um but yeah the ruins are yeah they remind me of like tomb raider like those puzzle rooms that they have in yeah, tomb raider absolutely. where you're trying to just get to a certain space or pick up a certain item or whatever they're like that but the ones i've seen are much smaller scale than that they're more like intricate puzzles rather than the grand platforming challenges in Tomb Raider. Yeah, and they and they do have. There's both throughout, as you could probably imagine. But yeah, I I really liked the Relic Ruins. They were they kind of summed up the things that I liked the most about Forbidden West over Zero Dawn because they are the moments where you are the game and the game designers leave you alone. Effectively, they're kind of these quiet moments where you're not given hints explicit hints as to what to do whereas when you're out out and about in the world and it's those kind of this is the main path um level design you'll jump to a platform or you'll be navigating something and aloy will say oh i need to reach that platform over there or oh if i you know and you'll get these these tutorial things pop up um that will say like oh remember that you can push back and you can jump backwards if it's jump behind you yeah which the camera might not be able to you know you might not have you know, might not be able to position the camera to see that, but you would have seen it as you were climbing up. And it's they're just it's just very quick to give you those hints. You'll arrive at a platform and Aloy will almost within seconds, but oh yeah, I need to get over there. It's like, okay, just let me, you know, let me work it out. And the relic ruins do do that. They leave you alone to work it out and to yeah, figure figure it out. And I think the early ones, yeah, I remember being quite intricate. I remember having to go back to one because I kind of got to a point where I just didn't get what I was meant to be doing. Well, there's um, one early on where it ru- it warns you that you don't have the right stuff to be able to do. Yeah, it. you need. Yeah, there's a particular type of equipment that you need. Um, and those I found to be rewarding in that way in terms of the problem solving, the, the puzzle solving. Um, beyond just what you get at the end of it, you get you know as you can imagine, you get kind of a shiny bauble, or you get some you know like rare crafting materials or whatever. Um, but those were the moments when the game is kind of, it feels the most, I suppose it feels the most like an actual world and an actual ruin that you are navigating. It's not like, oh, it's not obvious because there's puzzle solving to it. It's not neatly laid out. Oh, I just follow these yellow handholds up to the top and then I jump off here. There's more of, there's more of kind of a, uh, a an ambiguity about it because it's side optional content so they don't have to worry so much about you know like people getting stuck or people yeah. not getting it so, and things like tumble onto each other as well um you know emergent gameplay or whatever like i was doing one i think it was actually the one that i 
couldn't do they didn't mm. have the tool and i think i only realized that when i went to the map and it says like brackets you can't do this yeah right. there, there is some <laughs> there is some jargon or some um text some tagline that they use for when mm. you can't when you don't have the the right tool i can't remember what it is but anyway it said that on the map so i was like oh okay but um that was that happened i saw that on the map after when i was exploring one of these um and trying to figure out the way inside I just had all this commotion behind me. I know like these three humans fighting these two mm. machines and it's like, oh, okay, I'm going to have to deal with that first before um, yeah. I deal, deal with it either by <clears throat> getting involved or by waiting until it had all calmed down. I mean, obviously I got involved. I'm Aloy. I don't just stand around waiting for things <laughs> to happen. I make them happen. Um, you guys be quiet over there. I'm trying to solve some puzzles. What, yeah. What are you doing? <laughs> Say hello to this new Valor weapon uh, attack that I've just unlocked. Yeah, um, it makes me. They remind me of Street Fighter. Those they're like the ultras from Street Fighter. You get yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, I like those. I've not really used them yet because I've actually. Um, uh, why haven't I used them yet? Because I haven't come up against like a big enough enemy to use it, and and, and I'm just yeah. like saving it for that time. So I have no idea how much I should be using those yet because I don't know how fast the gauge builds back. Up, they they but... fill up reasonably quickly, and there are, there are mods that you can get that make that happen more quickly as well. And that's the other thing about the like the weapon system that there are modifications that aren't just oh it adds fire damage or it adds you know ice damage or whatever there's actual like i suppose quality of life um modifications as well that either speed up one sort of one sort of meter or they reduce the you know the the um time out or the recharge on something else so yeah there's more to kind of the more reason again there's more reason to consider certain options over other ones It's, it's not just an obvious upgrade path for certain things um so yeah so i think it you've seen you know there's there of course is going to be a whole bunch of like extra content types that you will be introduced to because there is a much wider range of things to do Mm. in forbidden west it does i think invariably it falls into that trap um as every open world game does well it's not really a trap is it there's so many things that they give you to do that some of them just aren't going to be to every single player's tastes. And that's why partly why they give you so many different things. It's like, well, you can pick and choose. Like some of this is, there's some like, there's a racing element where you're racing on your mount. Um, I think they're called gauntlets, which I just was like, oh, not, you know, this is kind of, I've seen this you know, many times before. And I'm just not really interested in this, but then there's a whole bunch of other stuff that if that doesn't like, you know, if that doesn't take your fancy, then there's other stuff that you can do. Um, there's some interesting end game stuff as well, like content, not story, but like actual you know content to do um kind of these epic hunts effectively as well there so yeah, there's more it's been built out better, I think um everything has just been yeah kind of built upon, and nothing it feels like nothing really has been taken for granted, like they haven't changed things fundamentally for the most part they haven't changed any systems but they have improved them and it looks like they've spent time looking at each one and how they integrate with the others and then kind of improving each one um with a view to making a better overall whole so yeah i mean it's it is a very enjoyable game i think it's um i think it's a very good example of this kind of open world game like it's there aren't a tremendous amount of surprises. I think if you've played any number of open world games, like there's not a tremendous amount of surprise. You still do things in the same kind of way. There's 
the whole like the tool next thing for unlocking areas of the map is basically that thing of go to a high place and, and then you can see what other content is in the area but they manage that very well because it doesn't reveal all of the map it'll only reveal pockets of it and you still have to go and explore areas and it's not a here's just a checklist of things to do it's just it feels like a useful tool um and because of developments that happen later on there's more variety in how the tool next work you have there's they're more unique like there's more puzzle based sort of elements to them rather than just get to the top of this tool neck and and see what's in the surrounding area so mm. uh yeah i mean I, it's hard to think of a single place for me outside of the story stuff where forbidden west isn't just outright better than than zero dawn um because i think everything has basically been given attention and and has been improved except perhaps the <laughs> selecting things on your item wheel that you do with the d-pad whilst you're trying to run around that still isn't great because uh, you have to take your, your thumb off the stick that makes you move to then select like a healing potion. So it just, you get that awkward thing where you sort of have to do a weird, like use your right right hand, reach over with your right hand to kind of select healing potions whilst you're running away from something. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's that kind of thing. Um, if only PlayStation released a PlayStation Elite controller, like Xbox yeah. have the Elite controller with the paddles on the and back. Some paddles. solve yeah. a lot of issues. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yes, by and large, overall, I mean, it's, it's a, as far as I'm concerned, it's kind of a, it's a success. I think I had a look at the review scores and they are very similar to the first game. I think Metacritic is, I think it's almost identical. Um, and I do, I think I put that down to the fact that, you know, it has lost some of that. It's a much more of a known quantity this time around. It's just that it's improved on lots of stuff. It, it's lost that ability to surprise, but it just has done, it just does things um, better. So it kind of averages out and we're also five years on. So, you know, averages out to be basically a better game that's in the position of getting the same review scores as the, as the previous game. But mm. such as Yeah. Game. Well, we'll see how I get on with it. I mean, I am planning to, I am planning to complete it. And yeah, as I said, compared to the first game, for me, it's just, it's so, so much better. There's the pacing, I think, mainly when I think about it. It's the pacing and the diversity of content mm. in the first few hours. It's just, yeah, it's, it's it, just as a sort of an initial engaging, grabbing experience. It's, mm. it's well beyond the first one. I would highlight, just as we wrap up, I'd highlight two, uh, it's kind of two minor things that are worth looking into, but are they easy to miss? And they are actually found in the accessibility settings. There is a, um, there's an accessibility setting called arachnophobia, which you can turn off to remove spiders from the game, which I think is quite cute. It's, I don't know how much, of how much practical, it's not like this game is riddled with spiders. I don't know how much practical use that is. Um, because they don't have other equivalents. There isn't like a vertigo setting or a, you know, asphyxiation setting for the underwater section. So I don't know why they've got arachnophobia in there, but that I thought was quite cute. Um, but there's also a co-pilot mode, which is, you know, I guess it works like, you know, when you have driving lessons, um, there's a second set of controls. So you can sit there with whoever your sort of co-pilot is. You can sit there with them and they can play the majority of the game, but you can then just help them be it through controlling the camera so that they don't have to, or just literally taking control on your own controller to do a jump without needing necessarily to pass the, you know, pass the controller back and forth. Um, 
and that's i think that's a nice nod to there's a lot of people that want to play games like this but for whom things like controlling the camera as well as doing everything else is too much or negotiating you know boss fights you know it's like difficulty spikes on things like boss fights and there are that does happen here for sure um it's so it's hard nice to control a ca- it's gonna be hard to play while someone else is controlling the character the camera isn't it the camera is part of like the movement that you it is well i think it is for is for is second nature if you play a lot of them and you know you know you move the probably a camera more than you move your character i find that i do but i think in terms of you know i've watched people try to play games like this where there isn't it's like trying to you know rub your tummy and pat your head there isn't the independent control so like the camera will just swing like all the way you know there's no like incremental graduated control it just swings all the way so i think just being able to like move it around to show you the most obvious sort of like point you at this um i think that's yeah that could work you'd have to play very 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 slowly though because i mean uh, in part of movement i mean it's really direction so the camera Mm. dictates where you're looking in order to go and if you're if someone else is in control of that then and if you're both thinking that where we should go is two different places then it's going to be confusing yeah for sure well you don't you don't have to use it it, you know you don't have to do the camera at all the point is you've got a second set of controls and you can use that in whichever way shape or form you want which i think compared to things like i don't know like the mario games uh i remember i think it was introduced in perhaps mario galaxy where you could use the second that was on wii of course you could use the second uh remote to put it like put the cursor on to enemies and to freeze them effectively freeze them in place for a few seconds yeah. and you so this is kind of as well can yeah you? you can collect coins yeah this yeah. is kind of gone sort of that direction in giving a second player something to do or you, you know you can literally just take it in turns perhaps and you know it's a, that's a very convenient way to do that because you could just pass the pad but you know you're sitting there both with one so but i think it's a it's I can see the utility of it because I very directly have personal experience of, of people wanting to play games like this and just, you know, this is like the first big video game they've played and it's like they they just, it's, it's alien to them. It's a completely alien concept trying to uh, work out what this spaceship-like controller can do with its, you know, 20 different buttons. Um, so, yeah, I feel that was quite a cute little, little addition uh, for the people that find it, find it useful. Um, yeah. Okay, well, that is Horizon Forbidden West. Um, I still haven't completed it. I will complete it and give some sort of update at some <laughs> point. So I'll probably complete it using the camera controls by myself. Um, but we'll see. We'll see how difficult the game is. Anyway, let us know what you think about Horizon Forbidden West. Come and get involved in the discussion. We are on Twitter at Indie by Design, and you can visit our website, indiebydesign.net. That's indiebydesign.net to uh, gather information and buy the books that we create. Uh, Otherwise, thank you for listening and we will see you again next week.